Slow down, you move too fast You got to make the morning last Just kicking down the cobblestones Looking for fun and feeling groovy Welcome to the Poetry Slowdown. It's Christmas Eve, and we are talking about John Muir. This is Professor Barbara Mossberg, and I'm with producer Zappa Johns. I am recording live to you from the desert, and this is where John Muir was on December 23rd, 1914, when he was taken to Los Angeles Hospital. And Christmas Eve, he died of pneumonia, surrounded by papers. His manuscript, in progress, travels in Alaska, where he describes Aurora Borealis, and we think of him, of course, surrounded by words as he becomes immortal. And here we are, over a hundred years later, talking about him. Now, what they say is that he died of a broken heart, because on uh, this week in 1913, Congress passed the Raker Act, which drowns the Tuolumne River um, Valley, which is known for over 5,000 years as Hetch Hetchy Valley, the twin of Yosemite National Park. John Muir spent years trying to write a way to appreciate and to value and to fight to preserve this valley. And this valley that he describes in this way, Hetch Hetchy Valley, far from being a plain, common, rock-bound meadow, as many who have not seen it seem to suppose, is a grand landscape garden, one of nature's rarest and most precious mountain temples. As in Yosemite, the sublime rocks of its walls seem to glow with life, whether leaning back in repose or standing erect in thoughtful attitudes, giving welcome to storms and calms alike, their brows in the sky, their feet set in the groves and gay, flowery meadows, while birds, bees, and butterflies help the river and waterfalls to stir all the air into music. Things frail and fleeting and types of permanence meeting here and blending, just as they do in Yosemite, to draw her lovers into close and confiding communion with her. Sad to say, this most precious and sublime feature of the Yosemite National Park, one of the greatest of all our natural resources for the uplifting joy and peace and health of the people, is in danger of being dammed and made into a reservoir to help supply San Francisco with water and light, thus flooding it from wall to wall and burying its gardens and groves one or two hundred feet deep. 
This grossly destructive commercial scheme has long been planned and urged. The water is pure and abundant, can be got from sources outside of the People's Park in a dozen different places. Because of the comparative cheapness of the dam and of the territory which it is sought to divert from the great uses to which it was dedicated in the Act of 1890, establishing the Yosemite National Park. End quote. No one writes like John Muir, well, except for the Bible, Homer, Shakespeare, Milton, Thoreau, Wordsworth, because those are the writers who fired the neuromoxie of this botanist geologist, John Muir. His words on why drowning Hetch Hetchy, which is Yosemite's twin, you know, rock formation for rock formation, river for river, tree for tree, these these valleys, 18 miles apart, are like a butterfly, wings. Um, they mirror each other. And he's trying to save it with words, which we tell our children to use. Well, his words on why drowning Hetchetchi Valley was unthinkable were meant to make the act unhappenable. His last words ring with a sermon-like fervor. These temple destroyers, devotees of ravaging commercialism, seem to have a perfect contempt for nature, and instead of lifting their eyes to the god of the mountains, lift them to the almighty dollar. Damn Hachechi! As well damn for water tanks, the people's cathedrals and churches, for no holier temple has ever been consecrated by the heart of man. That's how John Muir ends his book, The Yosemite, which he is hoping will rouse people to keep the Raker Act, which passed December 2000, one, 2000. No, we'll start over. The Raker Act, which passed in 1913, and it was an act of Congress which most of the country was so upset about to drown this valley, the Tuolumne River, that it began the environmental activism that resulted shortly thereafter in the national park system that came into being in 1916. But before then, John Muir had to die. John Muir dies a year later. He dies on Christmas Eve, and you know that the uh, memory of the anniversary of the drowning of this valley that he could not stop from being drowned by his own words made him feel perhaps so despairing and so weak, and he broke down. So, in a decision that was so controversial at the time that that many do believe that its backlash is what led Congress directly to the creation of legislation for our national parks, whose 100th anniversary we celebrate this year, Congress votes to build a dam to drown the valley as a water tank. Muir can't believe it. He literally couldn't believe it. 
given the words, given the obvious case, a valley owned by the nation's people drowned. So, on Christmas Eve, 1914, the anniversary of the Raker Act, a fresh wound in his mind, John Muir dies, surrounded by pages of a book in progress. Many people said, still say, it was from a shocked and broken heart from this legislation he could not prevent. We can't change history, but we can make it. Sometimes we have a second chance to undo something and make it right. We amend laws as a way of marking our progress as a society. When city and state and federal leaders restore the Hetch Hetchy Valley on behalf of the American people, we can change two dates of infamy into good. Or, as John Muir would say, glorious news. The Raker Act would be healed as the valley itself begins to reestablish its flowers and falls and flowing streams and fauna. These dark December dates for our country, the 19th and the 24th, will be days of redemption and hope. The anniversary of John Muir's death will be a celebration of his role as a writer of, above all, light, whose beauty of language proves indomitable. His rousing ending of the Yosemite will be read as a successful call to conscience, courage, national heart, imagination, empathy, compassion, kindness, love, genius. And we can get joy and comfort from his Christmas Eve words Muir was writing and reading as he lay dying. The pages of his book on Alaska, the last words describing his gratitude and awe of the northern lights. I had seen the first bow when it stood complete in full splendor and its gradual fading decay. Now I was to see the building of a new one from the beginning. Perhaps in less than half an hour the silvery material was gathered, condensed, and welded into a glowing, evenly proportioned arc like the first, then in due time like another throng of restless electric auroral fairies, the infinitely fine pale garments of each lightly touching those of their neighbors as they swept swiftly along the underside of the bridge and down over the western mountain like the merry band all keeping quivery step and time to music too fine for mortal ears. While the gay throng was gliding swiftly along, I watched the bridge for any change they might make on it, but not the slightest I could detect, excepting only the vast purple aurora mentioned above, said, said to have been visible over nearly all the continent. These two silver bows in the supreme, serene, supernal beauty surpassed everything auroral. I ever beheld. The end. To behold something is to see it with reverent wonder. Muir wanted us to behold nature, modeling his own ecstatic, exuberant, exhilarated response to nature's light. At the anniversary of his death and the possibility of new news for the fate of Hetch Hetchy Valley, which lies like Sleeping Beauty's castle under a hundred-year-old spell, we can imagine the valley restored and Muir's faith in words to save our world. If we can see trees, habitat, who frequents the habitat of trees, river, rock, fellow creature, butterfly, mountain, petal, salmon, whole valley, to see it with
gratitude and awe and reverence. Emily Dickinson said, A little madness in the spring is wholesome even for the king, but God be with the clown who ponders this tremendous scene, this whole experiment in green, as if it were his own. This idea of, you know, we might not own it, but if we look at it, if we gaze at it, if we ponder it so seriously, it will manifest as tremendous, as alive, a whole experiment in green. It's still happening as if it were our own. That is, if our moral imaginations move us from conceiving the earth to our earth, from something detached and separate from whom we are to our earth that changes everything, we can connect ourselves vitally and spiritually to our own habitat. It's so easy to go about our not easy lives, busy and purposeful, to stride so fast and forget to be conscious of where we are. An occasion like this tonight reminds us to look and behold our earth as infinite and precious. From a man tonight whose death we remember, who reminded us to look and behold, who slowed down, who took the time to engage consciousness with appreciation of watershed, valley, river, grove. We're inspired to not take for granted the special beauty of a place on earth we call home. In these days, the sea gleams, the trees rustle, the warm breeze blows. We see it, we feel it, we remember it. We are cognitively part of this world of people's memories and thoughts and experiences. We join together right now a historical and global community of place and the earth becomes not just the physical place, but also our understanding of the whole experiment in green in which we play an inextricable part. Through images and words, our fellow citizens have created, responding to this earth, our earth reappears in our minds as wondrous and glorious cause for exaltation. Through the lens of poetry and reverie, we can see earth in each of its parts with reverence and respect. And if we can so see our earth, so we see each other. And we are well on our way to peace on earth and goodwill to men. It's Christmas Eve and John Muir, his words are not the last words. They are immortal words on all that we can do, all that we can save, all that we can love. This is Professor Barbara Mossberg for our Poetry Slow Down with producer Zappa Johns. Thank you for joining me. I got no deeds to do, no promises to keep. I'm dappled and drowsy and ready to sleep. Let the morning time drop all its petals on me. Life, I love you, all is groovy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>